Good morning, New Life. It's good to see. So many of you didn't float away last week. Thank God, thank God for the rain, but thank God for the blue skies that we see out there this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, either in print or on your phone, go ahead and open it up or turn it on and head over to Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel chapter 6 again this week. Uh, last week we were also in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we'll be wrapping up our Hard Sayings of Jesus series this morning. Last week we looked at one of the most uh, unpopular teachings of Jesus, uh, hands down, probably especially among Christians, this command of Christ that as his disciples, as his people, we are not to store up treasures for ourselves on earth, but instead we're supposed to store up treasures in eternity. And so last week we saw as Jesus uh, just plainly said, you cannot, you cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. You, you have to choose. You have one throne in your heart and either Jesus is on it or something else is on it. And Jesus says, I'm the one that is going to bring you peace and joy and satisfaction. I need to be on the throne of your heart. And so we saw this truth that Jesus will have no rivals. He'll have no rivals. He demands complete allegiance and he does all of this for his glory, but he also does it for our good. And even though he does it for our good, these teachings are still really hard. And as hard as that teaching was last week and is still this week, he connects that teaching to another teaching that we're going to tackle together this morning that may be even harder. It may even be harder than the one that we looked at last week because in this teaching that we're going to look at, Jesus looks at his disciples, he looks at those who would potentially come and follow him, and he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Now, I think for most of us, we hear that, and we think, yes, Jesus, yes, I, I want that. that that's, that's what I want in my life. I don't want to be anxious. I don't think any one of us wake up in the morning and think to ourselves, man, I am going to enjoy some serious anxiety today. I just, like, I cannot wait to be miserable, to have this just, like, wreck my peace and my joy all day long. So this is a teaching from Jesus, a hard teaching that most of us actually want to obey. But the truth of the matter is most of us simply don't know how to achieve it. And that's why I think uh, anxiety has just sort of ballooned into almost an epidemic in our culture today. I looked up uh, this week statistically in America over 40 million adults suffer from anxiety. 40 million adults. And those are just the ones that are reported, the ones that we know about. And when I read that, I immediately went to Amazon.com and I typed in anxiety. And do you want to guess how many entries came up when I typed in anxiety? Over 90,000 results. Thousands of books and pills and supplements and anxiety bracelets and necklaces and salt lamps. And like the list just went on and on and on and on. Our anxiety has become a multi-million, perhaps a multi-billion dollar industry in our culture. Anxiety has just it's become this huge part of our normal everyday life for so many of us. And the reality is even when I meet people that seem like they don't have a care in the world. Don't you just hate people like that, right? You meet them and it's just like, man, they don't have a care in the world. They just seem very free-spirited and 
You're like, man, how do they do that? I, I want that. The reality is that when you get to know those people, oftentimes they are haunted by fears and anxieties, just like we are. They're just better at masking them than most of us are. So what, like, what is anxiety exactly? If you were to describe anxiety, what it feels like for you, how would you describe it this morning? See, when I think of uh, anxiety and how I've experienced it in my life, the best way I know how to describe anxiety or how it feels to me is it felt for me, it feels like my insides are just full of like shards of glass. Just that kind of moving around and it's just like this, this gnawing discomfort, this gnawing pain. And like, no matter what I do, no matter where I try to run, I just, I can't free myself of that, that really uncomfortable, painful feeling. Like that's how I would describe it. Maybe you would describe it differently, but I think most of us, we get it. We know what anxiety is like. And most of us experience this type of anxiety when something is outside of our control because deep down, and I've said this before, and you know that it's true, deep down we're all control freaks, aren't we? We don't, we just, we don't like not being in control of our, our lives and the circumstances in our lives. We don't like, like not knowing the future. We don't like not knowing what's right around the corner, what's about to happen to us. It causes uh, within us just this feeling of stress and anxiety. So the way that that's kind of like fleshed out in, in, in my life, or at least it's kind of working itself out in my life right now, just to give you some, some, some personal examples, um, I just found out uh, recently that one of my nine-year-old nieces has a genetic condition that very well could be fatal. And when I, when, when I think about that, when I allow my mind to meditate on that, when I allow my mind to go to dark places, when that begins to kind of like seep into my mind and my heart, it, it stirs up this anxiety in me. Like, man, what's, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Even, even like little mundane things. Even things that I love can ignite anxiety within me. So like, for example, my typical week, um, Tuesdays is my big study day. So I, I get off campus, I go somewhere else, I try to find somewhere uh, peaceful where I'm not going to have any interruptions. And all I do on Tuesday is I study. I study for my text on Sunday, and I'll take notes, I'll read commentaries, I'll listen to sermons, and, and I enjoy that day. I really do. I enjoy just getting alone with God and kind of prepping uh, for the message that coming week, and it's something that I look forward to. And yet, almost without fail, the first thought that pops into my mind when my eyes kind of open on Tuesday morning is, oh no, oh no, I have to preach in four or five days, and I don't have anything. Like, like I have a blank sheet of paper and I've got to get up and preach in four or five days. Like I know my text, I know my, my topic, all that kind of stuff, but I don't, have, I don't have anything. And so these thoughts begin to like creep into my life. What if I can't come up with anything? Or what if I just get up there next week and I just like mumble and stutter and drool all over the stage and nobody ever comes back? Like just these anxiety inducing thoughts. And that happens over something that I actually enjoy Every week, like how stupid is that? That causes anxiety for me. So what is it for you? Like what, what would you say causes anxiety in your life? Or what is causing anxiety in your life right now? Is it a relational thing? Is it a financial thing? Is it a job thing? What, what causes it? What stirs up that feeling of anxiety in you this morning? Because I think we all deal with it on some level. And listen, we need Jesus to speak into this for us. 
I need Jesus to speak into this in my life. We, we need to hear from Jesus on this. Now let me hit pause just for a second before we dive into the teaching itself and just point out that we live in a broken world, do we not? I mean, we all, deep down, we know it. We just, we live in a fallen world. Things are broken. They don't work the way that they were designed to work always. And listen, if our bodies can get sick, our minds can get sick as well. And so if you are here this morning and you have anxiety or depression because there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, I don't want you to walk out of here hearing me say this morning that you just don't have enough faith or trust in God. So don't, don't, don't hear me say that. That is not what I'm saying. For a small percentage of us, anxiety is a real serious medical condition. And I think that we should see medication as a part of God's good grace, his good gifts to us. Anxiety can be a very real medical issue. But for the majority of us, for most of us, I think it is primarily a spiritual issue. It's primarily a heart issue. And so let's hear from Jesus. We need to hear from him on this in our lives this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, and this is Jesus teaching. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. In this context, Jesus is connecting anxiety to pursuing wrong treasures in this life. Remember, right before this, last week, Jesus told us not to store up treasures on earth. He just says very simply, you can't love God and money at the same time. You can't do that simultaneously because you're going to love one and hate the other. So when our focus in life is on the wrong thing, when it's on money, our possessions, or what money can buy us, Jesus says that that wrong focus in your life will stir up anxiety in your heart. So here's, here's the big idea of this, of this entire teaching. I'm going to go ahead and tell you on the front end. So if you're a note taker, write this down. This is the whole point of this teaching. Don't be anxious. Like, like if you walk out of here and you get that and you understand how to apply some truth to your life to overcome that, that's the win this morning. So don't, don't be anxious. And even that command from Jesus, I think, should bring us a level of comfort. Because listen, Jesus doesn't want you to be anxious. That's not his design for your life. And that's really good news. Jesus wants you to look at all of the chaos that's kind of swirling around you in life. He wants you to look at all of the uncertainty in your world. He wants you to look at that stack of bills sitting on your table. He wants you to hear that scary diagnosis from your doctor. He wants you to look at all of that, and he wants you to be at complete peace. He wants your heart to have complete peace in the midst of everything, of all of those bad things, of all of that chaos. And I'm guessing that his audience in the first century probably had the same reaction that most of us are having right now, and that is this. That sounds great, Jesus. How? I agree with you, Jesus. I don't want to be angry. I don't want this to, to like enslave my heart and my mind and my thoughts, but how? You see, most of his audience in the first century would have been unbelievably poor. 
There would have been a lot of sickness in this day, a lot of death, a lot of poverty in first century Palestine. And so Jesus says, let me tell you why you shouldn't be anxious. And so then Jesus gives us two revolutionary ways we can overcome anxiety. Let's pick up in verse 26. He says, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? This teaching was a part of Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And so for this message, they would have been outside. They would have been, Jesus literally would have been on on a mount, on a hillside with a huge crowd kind of gathered around him and down below overlooking the Sea of Galilee. I've been here. It's stunning. It's beautiful. There would have been birds kind of like chirping. There would have been flowers blooming all around them. And so you can kind of picture as Jesus just points to some birds that are probably fluttering around nearby. And he says, look at them. And that Greek word look literally means to observe carefully. So he's not saying like glance at them. He's saying, no, no, no. I want you to fix your attention on these birds for a few moments. I want you to to watch them carefully and I want you to take note. He says, do these birds look anxious to you? Watch watch the birds. Are Are they gathering up just like thousands of seeds and worms so they can go like storm up in some bird barn somewhere? No, they're not filled with anxiety about tomorrow. Why? Because your heavenly father takes care of their needs every single day. And so they just ask him a rhetorical question. He goes, listen, aren't you more valuable to God than these birds? Of course you are. You are infinitely more valuable to God than these birds, and he even loves those birds. And here's what Jesus is saying, and this is the first way that we overcome anxiety in our life. This is the first truth. Trust in God's love for you, believer. We've got to learn to trust in God's Love for us. God, listen, God is a good God. He's a good Father. He holds all of history. He holds your life in the palm of his hand. I love this passage in the book of Zephaniah, a tiny little book in the Old Testament, which speaks of how God loves his people. It speaks of how God loves his sons and his daughters. And so as we, as we read this, I just want you to sort of personalize this. Like, place yourself in this passage. This is what the passage says. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult. He will, that means rejoice. It's like this feeling of jubilation. He will rejoice with jubilation over you with loud singing. When's the last time that you thought about God's love for you in that way? That God delights in his sons. He delights in his daughters. He sings over them with loud singing. It's unbelievable. Listen, I, uh, my kids make fun of me because I make up songs and I sing them uh, to them. And they probably make fun of me because I'm a terrible singer and so if you've ever sat beside me in a worship service, I apologize. Um, I am still very deeply wounded, just so you know, that Mike hasn't invited me to be a part of the worship team. Every Monday morning, I sit there at my desk hitting the refresh button on my email. The invite is coming this week. I can feel it in my bones. It's going to happen, and it doesn't. It causes all this anxiety in me. 
But listen, I, I sing to my kids. I make up songs about my kids, and I sing over my kids because my love compels me to sing over them, no matter how terrible of a singer I am. If you are a child of God, if you are a son or daughter of God, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are his son, you are his daughter, and he sings over you in heaven. He delights in you. There is safety and there is security in him. I remember as a kid, um, whenever my, my dad was around, he wasn't around some, right, because he worked like most dads do, but when he was around, there was a sense of security and safety. There was just a sense of security and safety when, when he was around. And so I can remember one time when I was little, we were at a lake somewhere, and, and I, was, I found this wall by the water, which wasn't super smart, but I was doing as kids do. I was kind of trying to balance, and I, and I lost my balance, and I fell into the water, and I was probably four or five years old, so I couldn't swim. And all I remember is just this, this sea of, like, green. So I'm in this lake. I'm completely hopeless. And the next thing I see is a giant hand plunging down into the water and plucking me up, right? And it was, that, was my, that was my dad. There was, there was safety. There was security when my father was around. And Jesus is saying, that's what your heavenly father is like. He's good. He's trustworthy. Rest in him. He's got this. And see, the problem is for so many of us, I think we have this idea, we have this picture of God that like, yeah, man, maybe God exists, but he's like this aloof God. He's this distant God who is uninvolved in this world that he's created. But that, listen to me, that is not the God that this Bible describes. The scriptures describe a God who is intimately involved in his world. A God who loves his people deeply and cares about even the details of their lives. If he cares for the birds, what are you worried about, believer? You are not alone. You are not abandoned in this world. You are loved by an incredible God who is for you, not against you. Romans chapter 8. And then Jesus poses another rhetorical question in verse 27. He says this, In which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus says, What good is it to you to be anxious? What good does it do you to be anxious? It's not going to fix anything in your life. It's not going to solve any of your problems. And listen, this is something that I've had to come to terms with in my life. Control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. We have this illusion that we are in control of our lives until something bad happens, and then that stirs up anxiety in our hearts. But the reality is we are in control of very, very little in our life. And worry doesn't help you. Anxiety isn't going to fix anything for you. And so Jesus just says very simply, why don't you trust God? Why don't you let go and press into this good God who loves you and cares for you? And then he continues on in verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, 
What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the the pagans, these people who don't know God, even they seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So Jesus draws the crowd's attention from the birds to the flowers, probably right, right there close by on the mount. And he says, look how beautiful these flowers are. Now, I don't know what your favorite flower is, but my favorite flower, without question, is the orchid bloom. They're gorgeous. I remember when we lived in Asia, we went to an orchid garden. And I can remember just walking in, and it was breathtaking. You're just there, and they have just these thousands of exotic flowers with just incredible variations of colors. And you get up close, and you look at them. There's just exquisite detail in every single flower. And so recently, we bought an orchid plant. They are notoriously fickle plants and hard to keep alive, so it was probably a poor decision on our part. But a couple of weeks ago, by the grace of God, somehow... It, it bloomed two flowers, and they, were, and, they were, and they were beautiful. And so every single day I would go, and I would just look at these blooms, right? It was gorgeous. It was purple, and there was a pink center. It had all these little yellow veins running throughout it. And I would go, and I would just marvel at the beauty of this flower. And Jesus says, look at those flowers. Do you see how beautiful those flowers are? Even King Solomon, one of the most wealthy men to ever live, he was never clothed in such beauty as your father clothes these flowers. So if God will make the life of a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow beautiful, how much more is he going to take even the bad things in your life and make something beautiful? God is good and he enjoys making things beautiful. He is an incredibly, unimaginably good creative God who loves beauty. C.S. Lewis once wrote this. He said, we trust not because a God exists. We trust because this God exists. So we don't, we don't have trust because there's some higher power out there. There's some like higher nebulous energy force out there. We don't trust that. We trust God precisely because this God exists. This good God, this loving God, this God who's full of mercy and grace and compassion, who feeds even the birds and clothes even the flowers, we trust because this God exists. Friend, if, if the God of this universe is the one that the Bible describes, this, this good God, this God who rejoices over his sons and daughters by singing loudly over them, This this God who delights in making everything beautiful, if that truly is the God of this universe, if that truly is the the creator, the sustainer of the universe, listen to me, if that's true, if that's who God is, you should trust him. You should trust him, believer. If we, I'm just convinced, if we ever just fully grasp God, even if we just got a glimpse of God and all of his beauty and goodness and power, I'm convinced that we would never worry about another thing ever again. Wouldn't matter if it was something good in our lives, it wouldn't matter if it was something bad in our lives, if we really understood and knew how, who God was and how good he is and how beautiful he is, we would never have another anxious thought in our lives. Listen to the words of Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples. And Peter was writing this letter 
to young believers who had been scattered from their hometown because of persecution in their faith in Jesus. And so these young believers had uh, lost their friends. They probably had been kicked out of their homes, run out of town. They're away from their families. They've probably lost their jobs, their sense of financial security. They were suffering. And undoubtedly, they were anxious about some of these things that were happening in their lives. And so you can kind of picture them asking Peter, one of the leaders of the first century church, Peter, how do we deal with this? How do we, how do we handle this type of suffering and, and, and loss? How do we handle this? How do we overcome this type of anxiety, Peter? Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, believer, cast all your anxiety on him. Notice he said, he said all. He didn't say cast some of your anxiety on him. Cast the easy stuff on him and then keep the really hard stuff for yourself to make yourself miserable. He says, no, cast all of it on him. Why, Peter? Why would we cast all of our anxieties on God? He says, because he cares for you. Because God is good and because God loves you, place all of your anxiety on him. Trust God, believer. Fight the lies of anxiety. Trust his love for you. Be at peace. Rest in his goodness. You overcome anxiety by learning to trust God's love for you. That's the first way to crush the shackles of anxiety in your life. And then Jesus gives us a second way to overcome anxiety, beginning in verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things that cause you stress, what you're going to eat, how you're going to pay your bills, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So the second way that we defeat anxiety in our lives is to seek the kingdom of God. That's the second point. We, we seek the kingdom of God. It, it's true. Listen, when you, are, when you are volunteering at a homeless shelter, when you are engaging with your neighbor, with, you're talking to them about the hope that they can have in Jesus, people who are far from God, when you're on a mission trip to some faraway land sharing the love and hope of Jesus with people that are just trapped in this, this cycle of hopelessness, I promise you in those moments, you are not filled with anxiety about the bill sitting on your desk at home. In those moments when you're living in the kingdom, you are not stressed out about how you're going to pay for your kids' braces. You're just, you're just not. Two of, our, two of our young ladies here at New Life are going to be heading to India for the summer. And uh, we'll pray for them uh, next Sunday in the first service. But I can promise you, when they are in Mumbai and they're sitting in a brothel talking to women who have been driven into prostitution, women who have been used in an abused and unspeakable way, women who have been just thrown away like garbage, when they're talking to those women about how much God loves them and how valuable they are in God's kingdom, I can promise you they're not going to be thinking about bills stacked up on their desk at home. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not. Christian, we belong to another kingdom and we have a better king. And our joy is found as we learn to live in this kingdom. This might make some of you uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's never stopped me before. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're here and you love Jesus, you've given your life to him, you've trusted him 
for the forgiveness of your sins. You said, yes, I'm a disciple of his. I want you to know that your hope today and tomorrow isn't in Donald Trump. It's not. It's not. And I want you to know that it wasn't, your hope wasn't in Barack Obama before him. We have a greater king and we belong to a greater kingdom. And when that kingdom begins to occupy our lives, our minds, anxiety begins to fade into the background of our lives. It just does. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And this is how you overcome anxiety. You trust in God's love for you because he's a really big, really powerful, good father. And then you begin to live in God's kingdom instead of for your kingdom. You do those two things and you watch as anxiety will melt away from your life. And every cure to anxiety that our culture peddles to us, pushes on us, just leads to more anxiety. Have you noticed that? It just does. If you try to self-medicate your anxiety with food, it can lead you down the pathway of health issues, which leads to greater anxiety. If you try to self-medicate with wine or beer, whatever it is, that can lead us down the path of addiction, which causes more pain, more suffering, more anxiety. We medicate, like so many of us do, with retail therapy. We can find ourselves in over our heads financially, which leads to more stress and more anxiety. Everything our culture presents as a cure to numb our anxiety actually only amplifies it in the end. And Jesus steps into that whole mess and he says, I want to give you something different. I want to give you an alternative to all of that. Because the reality is most of you have tried it and you realize it doesn't work anyway. I want to give you a different life in a different kingdom. And Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. I'm so glad. I love the fact that Jesus wasn't some ivory tower leader who never experienced suffering and pain. Jesus spent his ministry years as a homeless man, not knowing from day to day where he was going to sleep or what he was going to eat. He was abused. He was rejected even by his friends. He was misunderstood. He was mistreated. He was eventually brutally executed. And yet Jesus always trusted his heavenly father. He had this sort of amazing, perplexing, surpassing peace that just enveloped his life and it was always bigger than his circumstances. Didn't matter if it was good things or bad things in his life, he just had this constant peace and trust in his heavenly father. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? I want that and I want you to know that you can have that. You can have that not because you're strong enough to conquer anxiety in your own strength, because you're not. You're, you're not strong enough to, you don't have enough willpower to just will it away. You can have this life because Jesus purchased it for you with his own blood. He bought it. You can have it. If you want this type of life where, where anxiety has no grip in your life, I want to just encourage you to embrace this teaching of Jesus this morning. Run to God. I want you to understand. I want to be honest with you. I want you to understand this isn't some sort of magic pill that Jesus has given us that we take once and we never have to deal with anxiety again. Wouldn't that be nice? That's not how it works. Anxiety is it's constantly working to creep back into our lives. 
It's constantly trying to seep into the crevices of our minds and control our lives. And so we have to wake up every single day and make a decision to do what Jesus just said. We have to trust God's love for us, understanding that he's a good and loving father, and we have to choose to live in his kingdom. So Jesus gives us the solution, and listen, it really does work. It really does work. Uh, I want to close by telling you a, a story as the band comes. Um, but I heard, heard this week uh, a story from a pastor. And he was telling the story of, uh, he was on vacation one year with his family. He said, normally, um, if something would go wrong, if you'd lose something, it would, it would cause a lot of stress and anxiety in his life. And so this particular vacation, he lost his credit card. They were in another country. And um, he said, normally, that would have caused him to start blaming people in his family and start barking at his kids and, you know, yelling at his wife. And he said, it would have absolutely ruined my vacation. It would have ruined their vacation. It would have been absolutely miserable. But he said, on this particular occasion, I experienced no anxiety. So like, I didn't experience not, not even like a drop of anxiety the entire time. I mean, my credit card was lost. Somebody could have been draining my bank account. I could have ruined me financially. He said, I had no anxiety. He said, I, I didn't, in fact, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about it. Not, not one single time. It was incredible. And then he revealed how he had no anxiety that entire week with his credit card loss. He said he got home and he opened up his mailbox and there was an envelope there and somebody had found his credit card in his hometown and mailed it back to him and he didn't even know it was lost until he got home and found it. So he said, the reason I had no anxiety is because I didn't even know it was lost. And he said he had this epiphany and he said, what, what if? What if I started to live my life that way every day? Because he said, listen, if I would have known and I would have been filled with anxiety, I would have ruined my vacation, I would have ruined that vacation for my family and it would have done absolutely no good. He said, what if, I, what if I really begin to live my life that way? What if I really begin to trust in God's goodness? What if I really begin to trust in God's love for me? What if I really begin to live in his kingdom? in good times and in bad times, to really trust him and not be a slave to anxiety. And I think Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying to you and me this morning, I wanna give you that life. I wanna give you that life, but that life is found in me and it's found in my kingdom. So if you're here this morning and you, you want that, you want that life, let me just encourage you, run to God this morning. Trust his love for you. Begin to live in his kingdom. This is what ends anxiety in our lives. Let's pray together. God, we cannot live this way on our own. I can't live this way on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough willpower to do this, God. I'm too easily distracted, too quick to forget how big you are and how good you are how incredible your love is for me and for your children. It's so easy, Father, for me just to, to drift from your kingdom to all the little things of this world. And so God, we need you. We need you. We need the power of your spirit so that we can live a life that's not shackled by anxiety. We need you every single day to live this life. 
So I pray, Father, if there's anybody, even if there's just one person in this room who doesn't yet know you, there's one person in this room who hasn't experienced a spiritual rebirth through Jesus, God. I just pray that right now, even in this moment, right where they're at, God, that you would pursue their hearts. You would give them just right now a glimpse of your love for them. Just a tiny glimpse of your beauty and your goodness, God. Father, for those of us who are already your sons and daughters by faith in Jesus Christ, would you help us to apply this hard teaching, God? Would you help us to, to trust you each day, to trust your love for us? God, would you show us the beauty that comes from living in your kingdom? And we ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.